Hey everyone, and welcome to a podcast by Buffalo Occupational Therapy for student and OT practitioners looking to bridge the gap between what you were taught in school and real-world OT practice. We are all about using our full scope of practice and understand that OT is so much more than ADLs. We are a medical science, we are a social science, and we are the cutting-edge next generation of OT practitioners. Welcome to Rethink OT. and I am one of the admins here in outpatient occupational therapy. Um, I am an occupational therapy practitioner and I own um, an outpatient adult clinic um, that's not a hand therapy clinic. So a lot of people equate outpatient with hand therapy because that's just what's done. Um, But we do not um, specialize in hand therapy here. Instead, we focus on um, neurological and orthopedic condition. Um, so it's just so we do communicate a lot with our uh, brothers and sisters in the allied healthcare fear field. Uh, we can't talk today. I apologize. Um, primarily, we do um, the full body um, in an OT only clinic. So I am jumping on here to discuss range of motion and manual muscle testing. This is just something that has come up again and again and again. And I see this a lot. Um, and I have seen this a lot in, in various fields. So skilled nursing facilities, hospitals, um, I've, I've kind of had my hands in a lot. So um, there's some principles that I think that we need to discuss. First and foremost, before we start, kinesiology starts on Wednesday, and I would love to know what you guys are looking for in that class, what you think it's gonna be, what you hope to get out of it. Um, and the link has been posted in the post as well as in the as well as in the event. Um, event tab. So uh, definitely check that out, RSVP. If you're coming, I would love to see you there, um, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So moving on. So let's let's stick to the stick to the plan. These videos are also on YouTube. Uh, so if you are watching this on YouTube, hello. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, please do say so. Um, okay. So range of motion. There's four things that I'm going to address today. Uh, four points. So the first point is um, not going to come up. Here we go. Always gauge client function. You have got to develop a very quick range of motion screen uh, for the upper body and the lower body as an occupational therapy practitioner or the whole body, which means you cannot just truncate them. You cannot just say you're the arms. You are not the arms. You're not doing your job if you are saying you're the arms. You are both, you're all four limbs. We learn all four limbs. You are not just the upper body. So do with that what you will. You have to have a screen for range of motion. You have to have a quick screen for MMT. Um, I can get through the full body, um, manual muscle testing and range of motion in maybe five minutes, five, seven minutes, um, less than that. And so that gives you a really good understanding of where your client's function is. Um, The reason why you're doing this is because you can't do anything without those numbers. (laughs) You cannot, you don't know um, where you're headed. Your job as an occupational therapist is to address occupational performance. All occupational performance is made up of or comprised of uh, body function, structures, and performance skills. Well, your job is to define the occupation 
break it down using activity analysis into all of its parts. So as soon as your client starts talking um, and you say, you know, what are some things that are being affected? Um, your brain is like 10 steps ahead because you've already mastered activity analysis. So you know everything that you have to work on. If you do not know activity analysis, that's where you have to begin. So get the occupation from the client in a fantastic uh, interview, right? And then break it down. Then head into the screening um, element of it. Whether you are an OTR or you are an OTA, um, it doesn't matter. You guys are both made to assess. Um, both of you need this information. So whether the client is new or new to you, or you haven't done this in a while, you should do this regularly throughout your plan of care. Um, you should be doing quick range of motion screen. There's a video on the bot portal of both of those that we use typically. Uh, so definitely go ahead and check those out. If you don't do it, what's going to happen? You run the risk of injury. So if you're not if you're not checking range of motion and muscle, number one, how are you measuring your outcomes? How do you know if they're improving? And number two, um, you're going to injure the client. You're going to give them a task that's unachievable for their skill set. Or worse, you may give them an activity that's completely irrelevant. Maybe they already have great strength. Maybe they already have within functional limits. So why are you working on range of motion if they're within functional limits or within normal limits? Um, that's irrelevant to them and you should be working on something that's more relevant to them. So that's another reason why we gauge client function um, all throughout our plan of care. Next thing, number two. Um, so what do I do after I gauge the range of motion and manual muscle test? Um, so you know all of these things. So what um, what do you do with that information? Question, I'm glad you asked. Um, what you do with that information is you determine two things. Number one, if that individual is within functional limits, that's fantastic. That means that they're not showing any um, signs and symptoms, any deficits, um, and so you're like, oh, fantastic. So uh, they're within functional limits. That means you do not have to pull out the goniometer. That's your that's that's on you. If you want goni, you got that fantastic. But you can just put within functional limits um, and move on. So if they're within functional limits, you know that they're three or more out of five, three of five or more on manual muscle testing. That means that they can move against gravity. At this point is when you can say, okay, they have full range of motion. They can sustain the weight of gravity, which means they have, you know, decent strength because um, gravity is pretty heavy. So now we can, they're appropriate for resistance. And all of this information is in the new PDF that's posted on the portal. Um, but they're appropriate for resistance training. Now you can use the weight of their body against them. Um, you can use resistance bands, their bands. You can use weights. Um, they're appropriate for that because they have within functional limit range of motion. Uh, they're also appropriate to transition into more of an occupation-based activity. Um, when somebody is performing an occupation-based activity, this is important, okay, so stay with me. When someone's performing an occupation-based activity and they do not have the performance skills or functions to meet that load, occupations are very dynamic. There's four plus performance skills in every single occupation. If the person does not have the correct range of motion or strength to perform an activity, you are going to run the risk of injury to your client. 
they are going to function as they did before their deficits or before their new impairments or before their surgery, which means their body hasn't developed a motor plan yet to be able to adapt their current function to that activity. For you to go right into um go right into an activity before you teach them and before you build up those blocks, um, that, that puts them at high risk because they're going to start pulling from a motor plan that they had prior to this new level of function, okay? So don't go right to the occupation. If they are within functional limits, though, um, you have that opportunity. You can start building those activity-based, occupation-based, or simulated tasks, okay? So that was the second one. Um, what else? Yes, I touched on that. So they're good candidates within functional limits. Awesome. Go crazy. Um, but do so according to science. Now, here's, here's the big one though. If they are not within functional limits, if you're doing your range of motion screen and they cannot lift their, their extremity against gravity to the full range, either upper body or lower body, that means they cannot, they can't bear the weight of gravity. If they can't bear the weight of gravity, that means you are not going to put a weight in their hand. You are not going to put a TheraBand in their hand. You're not going to put a, a weight in their hand. You're not going to um, allow them to bear their full body weight through any extremity um, until like upper body, okay, lower body is a little bit differently because that's like a constant closed chain. Um, but for their upper body, you're not going to have them do push-ups. You're not going to have them do certain things um, like because they don't have, they don't have that ability to uh, maintain that load. They can't even lift their, their arm against gravity. Okay. So um, we're going to talk about what that means in a second, but do not give them weight. Um, you can start with um, like, uh, so first start with active assist range of motion, right? You're going to help them. So you're going to allow them to come up into active range of motion to their full range. And then you're going to support their, their upper extremity, um, through the rest of the range. Okay. Um, let me, let me actually go back here. When you do the range of motion screen and somebody is not within functional limits, that is called an atypical presentation. So if somebody is, is, um, is you're observing an atypical presentation, now you're going to get the goniometer, okay? So you're gonna go get your goniometer, you're gonna quantify it. So you're gonna put a number to that range. We need to know as practitioners where they're at so that we can have objective measures throughout this process. So you are going to put a number on it um, and you are going to um, ask the client how they're perceiving it. Are they in pain? What is their level? What is their level of function and how are they feeling um, those de deficits, those range of motion deficits? After you've gotten their opinion, now you're going to go right into um, um, active and passive range of motion to get your, me me your measurements, right? Um, when you do that active range of motion, you're going to test for a hard end feel or a soft end feel. Maybe you'll have some crepitus in there as well. If somebody is a hard end feel, you're not going to, I mean, there's there's low potential for improvement on range of motion, right? Because typically it's like bone on bone. If it's a soft end feel, typically you have a moderate to high um, therapeutic potential. So you can possibly improve that 
um, that number that you've gotten in your goniometer. If somebody has crepitus, that's something to consider. Um, that kind of bumps them down on that potential continuum, okay? If their active range of motion is, say, 30 degrees, and you get them to within functional limits through passive range of motion without pain, that's a very good sign. That's a very high um, therapeutic potential there because that means they are, they can move, they have that ability and it's generalized weakness that's affecting that extremity for the most part, okay? So those are all the things that you would do if you are in this position where um, somebody is, is you're observing an atypical presentation. Hey guys, I just want to interrupt real quick. I want to take a minute to remind you to head to our website for OT treatment ideas, any PDFs we reference in this podcast, and a ton of OT science rationale for your documentation. Be the therapist your clients ask for instead of just the therapist they feel they can do without. Head to the bot portal and OT store at www.buffalooccupationaltherapy.com. And don't forget to find us on social media in our Facebook group at Outpatient OT or on Insta at OT underscore Outpatient. Now back to the show. Let's move on. Do no harm. So the third step is the third number here that I'm addressing is do no harm. So what is your patient doing while you are documenting for neuromuscular re-education or therapeutic exercise? is remediation for their their range of motion. If if you have you do not have a client in front of you that's within functional limits or within normal limits, you cannot just sit there and document. You can't do it. There, you can't physically remediate them. You cannot have the the outcomes that you need to have with your client unless you actually have your hands on. Okay, so. Think, think of somebody, let me give an example, has a CVA. So you have a client with a CVA and um, they have very limited active range of motion. Maybe they have like 30 degrees of, of shoulder flexion and um, they, they can come up to almost within functional limits passively. All right, great. Well, listen, I'm going to remove this for a second. Stay with me. If somebody is coming up say, let's say like down here, all right, a little more than 30 degrees. But if someone's down here, you cannot give them a task that's going to have them come up to 90 degrees and sit and do your notes. That's not gonna work. A tabletop activity for somebody with 30 degrees of shoulder flexion is just not going to work. You're doing harm to your patient by giving them um, a, a cone activity or a beanbag activity and um, they're sitting there like this, ready? This is what they what they what it presents with. I'm gonna grab the cone and now okay, Mrs. Smith, you have to put it over there. This is what they're gonna do. That is exactly what they're going to do. And I see this all of the time. You can't allow someone to do this. You are building their motor planning. You are building that motor map again. When you do this, that has like four plus compensations, like maladaptive compensations. So that's going to destroy their body in the long term. You cannot give them, you can't sit there and watch someone do 
do this over and over and over again because you know that that's affecting every muscle in their body the wrong way. Instead, you have to put down your notes. You need to come over. You need to to guide them at the shoulder and the the elbow, right? You're providing that assist. All right, Mrs. Smith, you have 30 degrees of active range of motion. That's wonderful. Go ahead and grasp that um, beanbag, and we're going to place it over here. And then you are, are doing that, right, shoulder flexion, um, protraction. You are doing that for them. And if you're remediating somebody who has a, some type of neurological deficit, you are going to be doing that work. Those are hard sessions because you have to – NDT, right? Hand over hand. You have to do it the right way every single time um, in order to ensure that your client is not developing poor body mechanics. And that's what I'm going to get to in a second. So you have the power to either correct dysfunction and enable long-term wellness so um, I'm going to just read this. You have the ability to either correct dysfunction and enable long-term wellness and independence or perpetuate dysfunction and promote future disability. Everything you do, everything you do when you are correcting range of motion is critical, is crucial. You're brilliant. You need to um, do it the right way, um, whether it's an ortho-related injury or it's a neuro-related injury. Um, you're laying down a new map for them a map that's been disrupted and disrupted in some way. So if you aren't doing it the right way every single time, you are setting them up to fail five years down the road because you're laying down the wrong path, all right? So, um, so be aware of that. So what do you need to watch for? Postural alignment, number one. First and foremost, all movement stems from postural alignment. You have got sure can stay up against the weight of gravity. If you have somebody in a, in a position where uh, maybe they're sitting at the edge of their bed or at the edge of a surface and um, they are like this, okay? Uh, or maybe they're like this. Um, that's poor posture, right? That's a problem. Um, so you aren't going to give them a bilateral upper extremity activity because they can't even support the weight of their own spine against gravity. So you have to work on all of those erector spinae muscles, right? Those back extensors. You have to uh, make sure that they can um, think about that lever, right? That that first class lever of the of the neck and the and the skull. Um, if they can't even, if they have a kyphotic posture and they can't even support their head, against gravity, why are you giving them a range of motion activity? Because you're not going to get it out of them. It, it, it's ridiculous. I don't mean to be harsh, but it's very upsetting to me because these people's, these bodies that we are given the opportunity to treat and heal, we're like ignoring. So you want to make sure that you're correcting postural alignment first and foremost. Second is body mechanics. Um, my goodness, that goes along with posture, um, but think about how they're doing these exercises. Guys, listen to me. If somebody is, if somebody has less than three of five range of motion, they can't support their weight against gravity, and you put a weight in their hand, and they're sitting here like doing this, or not even coming down, and you're sitting there documenting, that's a, that's a big problem. That's a big problem, because 
you're not contracting the right muscle. It's, it's malalignment, so you're laying down muscle in the wrong place, and you're promoting deficits in functional movement patterns. If somebody can't, if somebody doesn't have full horizontal abduction, and you're and they can't even do this against gravity, and you are trying to do something at the same time, and you give them a yellow theraband, or worse, a red or a green theraband, and you say, "Okay, Mrs. Smith, like um, I want you to go ahead, and we're gonna we're gonna do some um, pulls," and they're sitting there like this, and like they're like going every which way. Um, we need to terminate that activity because they're unable to achieve that and that will cause an injury um, to them. So uh, we want to make sure that that person has the right body me mechanics, looking at their feet and their legs in neuro. If their feet are pointed like this during every activity or sitting down, out towing, that's, that's just asking for lower back pain five years down the road. We need to make sure we're correcting body alignment before we address range of motion issues because all of that goes into motor learning, which we know in motor learning theory, okay? And then the last one is compensations, which I've been talking about all along. Um, do not let your stroke patient, somebody who has suffered a stroke, do not let them like do this. Don't do it. If they cannot sit here like this and reach, then their job, their only job, is to make sure that they maintain their posture while they um, while they use their arm separately. So you may be doing that, you may be doing that arm movement for quite some time so that you can retrain the trunk to remain with strong posture. So in our clinic, um, one person will provide external support to um, provide a tactile cue every time that person is compensating, the other person will work on that upper extremity. Um, but you don't necessarily need two people to work on that. If you don't have two people, which a lot of people do not, um, then just work on posture and that's okay. It's okay, that's all right. So last thing is do good. Um, what are some action steps that you can take to um, promote range of motion and improve strength while working within the limits of your patient? Um, arthritis, systemic or otherwise, osteoarthritis, whatever. Um, don't do high repetitions. Don't do it. Do not get your get your get your client in front of you and just say, "All right, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do some punches." like, and do like 50 punches, you run the risk of them waking up the next day being in extreme pain, and that's on you. Don't do it. Don't do high repetition um, and stress out that joint space even more. Uh, that pain response is going to far, the, the, the cons of that pain response and that um, internal response to the joint uh, breakdown is going to far outweigh the positive effects of whatever you're trying to do. So for arthritis, we're working with isometric contractions, and we're also working with um, sustained eccentric contractions, so falling in that isotonic um, grouping. Uh, what else here? Uh, so no Just because someone has pain does not mean we terminate what we're doing. Now, hold on. I say that lightly. That's not, that is not all of the time, and I'm not making some sweeping generalization. I'm talking specifically about range of motion, upper body pain. Um, say you, if you 
put a weight in someone's hand and they lift up, they can get it to 90 degrees and they're in pain and their shoulder hurts when you do it. And they say, oh, you know, oh, I can't do it. Do not let them just like hang out down here um, because that means that they're not ready for it. Take the weight out of their hand. Take it from them and say, that's okay. We'll just work with our own body weight. A lot of the times when we work, when we take the weight away and we work with active range of motion against gravity um, using isometric isometric contractions or even eccentric, like like playing between concentric and eccentric movement, um, that is enough workout for the muscle and that actually will improve overall function. You don't have to put a weight in their hand. If they're in pain, that means they're not ready for the, the weight. But that doesn't mean we have to terminate the activity. We just need to to work in the continuum. And then finally, CVA, I talked a little bit about this. This is like a big passion of mine, um, only because when you study all of the different frames of reference for neurological rehabilitation and motor learning, um, you need to make sure that you're actually following that. You need to make sure that you're functioning in the neuromuscular space um, in every single frame of reference um, beckons the same thing. Um, don't allow your patient to compensate, um, rebuild the right way. Think of the developmental motor sequence of a child. Um, we're, we're coming up slowly against gravity, right? Um, in order to build those postural muscles, it's the same thing for neuro that you have to, you have to bring it right back down to this, the birth of this baby and, and their developmental sequence, right? Um, you are, you are now going to, um, to to bring your bring this patient back to this motor learning space um, that means it takes time it does not happen overnight it takes a lot of repetition think about a baby um, who does the same things every single day all you want them to do is tummy time you don't give them an act you don't you don't you don't change it up you do tummy time every day like just tummy time um, now why don't you think that we're gonna have to do that for our patient why do you think you have to put a craft in front of them? Um, why do you think that you have to uh, make them wash the window? Why do you think that they have to be doing dishes to call it OT um, if they can't even sit up straight? Uh, we have to look at our frames of references, take it from the beginning and do it the right way. So how can we improve range of motion uh, for somebody with CVA? We start with, um, active range of motion with active assist range of motion. Just like I was saying, you take it up into as much as end range for your client, and then you'll help it come up the rest of the way. Uh, another thing is active range of motion up to tolerance for the client, holding isometric um, contractions. Now you're you're making them support and, and keep their muscle on high tone uh, engaged during this hold, it doesn't matter how big the, the movement is, um, how big the excursion point is, um, as long as it's up there and the muscle is contracting and the posture is correct, you're doing good work. Um, and then finally, you can do active assist range of motion gravity assisted, active range of motion gravity assisted, so you're lying on your back and you're using gravity, um, or gravity eliminated uh, on the tabletop, right? You can do um, a lot of different things. So there's so many options um, for improving active range of motion. There's so many um, 
there's so much involved in uh, functional mobility that you can't just jump right into an activity. Um, you have got to do it the right way, always gauging range of motion, always gauging MMT, um, because you can't do your job without it and you can't do it properly. Um, going into work and just putting a peg tower or range of motion arc in front of somebody before you even know what their horizontal abduction adduction point is, um, is going to be um, not the smartest choice uh, because you're in charge of their care and their continuum of care. Okay, so that's it for me. I'm jumping out here. I know that was like a long, that was like a really long video, um, but I wanted to make sure I got that information to you. If you need a PDF of it, if there's a one page PDF posted on the portal if you're a member of BOT um, and you can check that out, it's all right there. And that's it. So I will see you on Wednesday. Have a good one.